competing at a combined weight of 405 pounds. They are the reigning, defending, undisputed racing dudes, triple crown champions of the world, the magic. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And this is the Magic Mike Show, episode 446. Mr. Samich. Huzzah! Here we go. Gulfstream Park. It's the big week. It is a big weekend across the country. Literally, we've got Aqueduct with 15 horses in the Gotham. We've got uh, Gulfstream with actually the smallest field of the four tracks that are running uh, with their Kentucky Derby prep. We've got Santa Anita with an overflow field because all the Bafferts are about the same right now. And, of course, Turfway Park that produced last year's Kentucky Derby winner. We've got the John Battaglia Memorial Stakes going on as well. Are you ready for the big weekend? I am ready for someone else to win the Kentucky Derby so we can stop saying Turfway Park produced the Kentucky Derby winner. Because I am over that. No more. Get it out of here. <laughs> I know. We've got to deal with our. Uh, we got to deal with it for two more months. And then, well, I don't know. We'll see who comes out of Turfway Park. There is an interesting, a couple interesting horses in that race. But you can go check out the preview for that and for every single Derby and Oaks prep over at RacingDudes.com and YouTube.com slash RacingDudes. If they're not out today, they'll be out tomorrow. But our boy Vinny Blonde. From uh, Real Picks by Dy- or, uh, Dynasty Picks. Real Dynasty I can. He's got too many different ways that he calls it with his social media handles. Anyways, Vinny. You guys know Vinny. Uh, he previewed both the Turfway Park races. And I've never seen, Mike, somebody so excited to handicap Turfway Park. It's because Vinny's been doing a lot of previews for us that are maidens and allowances for three-year-olds. And I gave him a couple of stakes races, and he was very giddy. So I'm glad that it went to him because if I gave it to anybody else, it would not have been the same response. I would have accidentally deleted the email on purpose if you had given me Turfway Park. So uh, happy we didn't have to deal with that. It is a wild weekend. We're going to cover the late pick five here at Gulfstream Park. And when you go through these tracks and you just look at the pick fives, this one has a chance for being a little chalky. So you have to kind of decide how you want to handle it with charge it opening, forte closing. The Gotham, you mentioned it. Uh, that race is begging to melt down. And the question is, is it a shitty closer that wins it? Or which speed horse melts down the least that's able to win it? And so it's, the Gotham is wildly difficult. And then props to your, your track out there in Santa Anita. I guess our home track now at Santa Anita. That pick six, I mean, whoa. It, it is a tough, tough, tough sequence. Both the turf races, I think, are wildly difficult. San Felipe, difficult race in general. So just the, the quality of those late races at Santa Anita are, 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 that are running, is, it makes it really tough as well. So... I'm kind of happy we're doing this one because I like a 20 to one shot. I can go short in a couple races. I can fade a favorite that I'm hoping we can beat and I can play it multiple times versus trying to spread out and play a ticket. Hopefully we're just right and just able to nail this puppy. Uh, I haven't looked at the odds yet, actually, other than the um, <clears throat> the main race uh, that will the, end this, the Fountain of Youth stakes for the Derby prep. So. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens here. I know that we both have a, a big single that we really like. I think a lot of people are going to do that. We're not singling Forte, so make sure you uh, stick around till the end there. You can find out who we are singling, but uh, we're right. Re- yeah, I'm so glad we're not touching Santa Anita, and usually it's because short fields and boring dirt races, and no, this time I'm glad because, like you said, Mike, it is it is very loaded out there. Uh, like like Kevin says, it's almost like Kentucky downsized fields out there, except they've got a dirt track that's attracting the same amount. I don't get it. 
Well, and then they close it with the big cap, which I did the preview for. And I was like, really? Like, th this is the big cap I have to cover? 11 <laughs> horses. There's like eight legitimate contenders in there. The pace in that one's going to be absolutely nutty as well. So it's, again, do you take a closer? Or do you take someone who's going to be close to the pace that hopefully can rally into it? Uh, just a, a tough sequence overall, beginning to end to try and handicap there. Yeah, the uh, it, it's a great one. So Michael have uh, Mike did those previews, uh, which means I got more work to do after this show. I'll be editing those, I so those imagine. will be up uh, within an hour or so after the show ends. If you're listening to this on podcast, it's probably up already. YouTube.com/slash race news. Make sure you subscribe to the channel; you won't miss a single one. Mike, before we get into it, uh, bring it down real quick, just uh, just for a moment. Uh, we lost uh, for the second time this year. Actually, the second time in a few weeks, we lost a jockey um for uh depression and and mental health issues and so very sad to hear this morning that alex Kanchari passed away he was a jockey that i was familiar with because of oakland park prairie meadows and canterbury park which is his home track um there is a uh, a gofundme going right now he has a fiance two young children and a third on the way so as as fathers that hit both of us uh pretty hard hearing about that um there's no life insurance policy for him so there is it GoFundMe going. It's in the show notes uh, for this, so uh, you can click on it uh, in the description here if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube. Um, go check that out. Mike and I both retweeted uh, anonymous man uh, Dan Shorterman sent out the link as well on Twitter, so you can go check that out. But if you have anything to spare, you know it'd be really great to show a little support for the Kanchari family. Um, there's a lot of a lot of uh, unfortunate issues that happened in the family. Did you know he actually he has a brother? Um, who had a, a severe brain injury several years ago that is still struggling just to live his daily life. So uh, pretty sad to hear. Um, and I want to thank you actually, Mike, because I saw you re retweet Dan's link so that I was able to see that GoFundMe link as well. Yeah, absolutely devastating news this morning. Um, I, I know a couple of people who knew him personally, and they all said he was a wonderful person, very happy, outgoing, uh, good, good person for the sport. And awful to hear, like you mentioned, as a dad, when you hear that, you know, leaving behind two kids and a third on the way, it's just... It's brutal. So it's a terrible circumstance. If anyone out there is facing depression, anything like that, go get help. There's nothing to be ashamed of there. Uh, it, mental health is as important as anything else uh, from your day-to-day -day life. So please take care of yourself. There you go, Dennis. I know, Dennis, I saw you tweeting about him, too. He says, I knew Alex personally as a friend. He was an amazing guy. Uh, it, all you see are that, and it's, you know, it's the photos that are taken, of course, but you see just so many happy, smiling pictures on him. Uh, he was on, oh, my gosh, I just forgot her name. There was an Iowa bred that he rode to win the uh, the Iowa Oaks uh, grade three race. The only grade six win of his career. I'm going to look it up because I can't believe I forgot her name. Flat out speed. Um, the only race she ever lost in her life, she went to Oakland Park. But otherwise, she was an amazing Iowa bred. Uh, yeah, amazing guy. Uh, if you need help or anything like that, my DMs are open. I've gone through a lot of shit like that. Uh, I lost my dad to suicide when I was a teenager. So that kind of thing hits hard as well. So on that note, Mike, let's brighten things up. We've got the Gulfstream Park. $500,000 guaranteed purse for the late pick five. It's all graded stakes. Let's get into it, buddy. Riders up. Mike, here we go. First leg of the late pick five, the $500,000 guaranteed late pick five, the Gulfstream Park on Saturday, March 4th. Race 10 is the grade two Gulfstream Park mile. Nine older males going a one turn mile on the dirt here. We're both singling the seven charge it. Tell me why. Well, first off, I wish one of these tracks would grow some stones and put a guarantee up there that might actually not get hit. 
I mean, this thing's going to go for a million and a half in the late pick five. So saying $500,000 is like, you know, me saying I'm going to pay at least a dollar a gallon in gas next time I go pump some gas. It's ridiculous. Let's just give us some real big guarantees. Make it happen, baby. Let's go. Because if it ever doesn't get, if it's like close to that number before the race goes, everyone's betting money into it to get it to that number anyway, because they'll think, oh, it's an overlay. So, uh, you know, just, just, just bump them up a little bit. Just, just, just a little bit of risk. Just a little bit racetrack instead of half a million dollars. Are you kidding me? You get half a million dollars on a Wednesday. Uh, all right. Anyway, all <laughs> three park, tenth race. Look, I wanted to not like charge it. I want like this sequence was interesting for me. I'm playing a three dollar ticket. I'm not even playing a fifty cent ticket because I like charge it early. I do like Forte late. And if you're gonna focus on those two horses, you either have to really get wild in the middle legs, which I'm doing a little bit. Or you have to press the crap out of your opinion in those middle legs, which I am doing a whole lot. Um, and in this one, to me, look, Charge It looked wonderful on, on return. Comes back. It's a 102 buyer, but didn't even try in that race. Blew that field out. Has tactical speed. Is able to pass horses. If he wants to lead, he can go get it here. The problem is there's just not anyone to inspire you to pick against Charge It as well. I mean, look, Simplification endorsed are probably the next two best horses in this race. Do you really want to take simplification or endorsed here? I mean, what what trip are you imagining that they're going to be able to beat Charge It in this spot? For me, I'm just going to single Charge It. I'm not going to overthink it. I think a lot of people are going to try and overthink this race specifically. If you're going to play Charge It and you're going to play Forte in the last one, in my mind, you got to figure out a way to press it or get Kooky in the middle legs because this thing could pay 40 bucks if it chalks out. <laughs> Yeah, my my 50 cent tickets only. So we both have $40 tickets. You're pressing. I'm going 50 cents on mine. Um, but I agree with everything you said about charge it. And there's a couple things that you might try and say, well, you know, he's coming off Lasix. Uh, he had that big allowance win on Lasix and now he's off. Well, guess what? He almost won the Florida Derby when he was green as a mother and was running all over, scattered all over the place. Still what did really well. He was coming off Lasix there. Then he won the grade three Dwyer by 23 lengths without six after uh, after the Kentucky Derby fiasco. So not worried about that. Um, to me, the biggest threat, and then we can move on, I would actually worry about the nine nitrous channel. Horse is going to be third off the layoff, third start of the form cycle. Buyers have been improving in this four-year-old season. Four starts, two wins, two seconds in the career. Sia stays on charge it. Of course, we know there, there's no reason why he'd ever get off of that horse right now. But now nitrous channel is going to pick up Irad. He's drawn outside of charge it. And kind of has that same, uh, or kind of have a, a little more of a pressing style uh, up on the front than Charge it does. So, you know, I read in size, they both are drawn outside with their horses. They'll have chances to look and read the pace when they break. But the nine to me is the sneakiest of the horses in here. If for whatever reason Charge it doesn't win this, who do you think picks up the pieces to get it done? Are you ready for this? Don't do it. Oh, captain, my captain. 20 to 1, baby, on the line. If someone upsets this field, it's going to be a wild upset. It's going to be someone coming from off the pace. It's because this race collapsed. And oh, captain is the one who would sweep up and be able to get it. First start is a four-year-old. He has every right to improve. Castellano jumps back on. He ran well in Florida before. Yes, it's a like you're going to get 40 to 1, something crazy on him as well. If I was going to get nutty and try and beat charge it here i'm going to try and beat him with a horse that i think is absolutely going to blow the tote board up and to me that's the eight oh captain by the way i love love with a capital l a super fact super fact here seven over four six eight four six eight four six eight because if you can get O captain in there this thing's paying and i do think he has a legit shot to be able to pick up some pieces late um i was it's funny that you said for simplification i really thought that's where you were going to go with your pick that's why i said don't do it i was going to regret having asked you but you didn't say that oh captain that one makes more sense uh delgado 
Um, is in having you know only 18 starters, but he's got three wins and six in the board finishes. He's getting Javier Castellano aboard. The horse has only faced a uh, non stakes company once and he broke his maiden doing it. So, uh, it was at Gulfstream Park. You know, he was facing some monsters he probably wasn't ready for. Uh, if Charger doesn't win, this is kind of a a grab, you know, a grab ass kind of uh, a grab bag kind of group here. You've got endorsed who's one, two straight, including the Fred Hooper, which is over the same course and distance, but he's very pace dependent. He's going to need a meltdown. You know, a re- big reason he won that is because you had Octane and Dean Delivers, who were like six, seven furlong horses trying to go out there and, and go a mile, and it didn't quite work for him. And they fell off late and endorsed picked up the pieces, but not going to be the same situation here. He's not facing a horse. Uh, he, he wasn't facing a horse, rather, like charge it last time out. So, all right, let's move on, Mike. We both love the seven charge it to single to kick it off. Second leg of the late pick five at Gulfstream Park, Saturday, March 4th. Race 11 here. This is the grade three Honey Fox Stakes. 11 older fillies and mares going a two-turn mile on the turf here. Uh, Chad Brown, it seems like he's starting to bring out the old the, the old favorites here, the ones that we've seen before, the turf potential monsters. We'll see how they get going. Where'd you go on top? Man, okay, this is the first favorite we're fading. I'm going to try and get around speak of the devil, the three horse here. Look, she's probably the best horse in the race. If he runs back to that Churchill race, she's able to win the last time out. She ran fourth, which at the time was extremely disappointing. But now, now you look at it and it's like, well, she got beat by Wakanaka and an Italian, who turned out to pretty, pretty be pretty good horses later in the season last year. But I really like the four horse White Frost on top here. Mott's been clicking on all cylinders. Off the bench, a two-year break. This horse comes out and runs a career best buyer, runs a 92. I thought looked awesome, was able to stalk very close to the pace and make a nice move, clear easily and beat that field, which is $62,000 uh, optional claimers there. If you go back and you look at what they thought of this horse, what they thought of her back when she was three, they were running her in a graded stakes. She won that. She went and faced Plum Ali, ran second in 150K stakes after that. She's two for two at Gulfstream, two for two at the distance. She has every right to take a big, with a capital B, step forward here, right? I mean, she is, that was the first off a long layoff. This is now going to be her second race. She's going to be more in form. She had the talent before that that 92 fits with what she did as a three-year-old. Now you're getting second out for the five-year-old. If she takes a step forward, the way that this turf course is playing, she becomes ultra difficult because you're going to have to pass her down the lane after she's forwardly placed in this race. That is tough to do at Gulfstream right now unless you have a devastating kick. And now, Speak the Devil made that move on the turn and had an awesome kick at Churchill. She cannot be too far back at the top of the lane here if she wants to win this race. White Frost will not be too far back. She will be sitting most likely in the lead, if not about a neck out of it in second. So give me White Frost the four on top. Uh, I didn't I put her on top, but I definitely like White Frost for every reason you said. If you look at her for she's never had a bad turf race. The only time she lost on turf, she was coming, uh, you know, she she won the Swedish chant here a year, uh, two years ago um, over this course and distance. And then she missed 10 months, almost 10 months and comes back at Aqueduct and almost wins. She misses by three quarters of length, finishing second. She won her other three times on turf. You got to love this horse. It's Matt and on a big day. Do we remember Pegasus Day? What happened? Art collector, <laughs> like, come on, you get, you can't, and, and there were other horses too, but that's the one that I always think of. Uh, you've got to use them there. Uh, I did use Speak of the Devil, you know, that win in the, the disc after a mile was great, but you're right. She got way far behind off very slow in the just a game stakes. She was 13 lengths back in a five horse field that featured Regal Glory, Wakanaka, and Italian. It, sorry, you're not, you can't do that in a five horse field. You can't come from that far back and win. She's got a lot of back class from over in France. Um, 
you know, Chad Brown's bringing her back. We both also like the other Chad, which I think if you're going to use one, you've got it. Well, my opinion, you've got to use one. You got to use both. Um, the number one faith in humanity, uh, Joel Rosario is finding his mojo again. And he's getting aboard a horse. It's two for three lifetime all on turf uh, coming off of a long layoff. But we saw her go gate to wire in the pebble. She's not a need the lead type. You know, she pressed in her debut at Monmouth. She was off the pace in the risk averse for her second start and got second to stablemate Gina Romantica and then flipped the story on that uh, stablemate in the grade three pebbles. So uh, I like her here. It is uh, Chad Brown's top owner, Clarevich Stables, who owns her here. Uh, any reason, you know, the, st the steadily improving buyers, those are great as well. So uh, did I miss any reason why you like the one faith in humanity as well? I really like the post here too, which a lot of people are, are anti one post because of the trip that they may work out. But to me, Faith in Humanity here has enough tactical speed that we're either be in the lead in the first turn or sitting right behind a couple of the outside horses who cross over. Either way, you should have a ground saving trip around both turns and be forwardly placed in a race that you're going to want to be forwardly placed in here, especially if you want to beat Speak to the Devil. You're not going to outclose her, so you need to be in front of her early if you want to get to the wire. Uh, touch of Clash should be going from the outside. So that, that's probably one of the main issues. If you like the one trying to go gate to wire here, you've got touch of class. In the, I'm sorry, not touch of class. Um, who am I thinking of? Who's the outside sweet? Oh, there it is. Sweet Danny Girl. I didn't get down to the 11. Uh, sweet Danny Girl, who's going to be going from the outside there. Sias is going to send her. So she's going to come up and try and cross over. But the beauty of having the one post is that you're able to protect the rail and then fan the other horse two or three wide and slow it down because Sias is not going to want to go crazy on Sweet Danny Girl either. So... I think you've got a legitimate shot here for the one to take this field gate to wire if Rosario hustles out. And if not, you're going to save ground in both turns and then be able to kick out. So to me, Faith in Humanity is going to get a very good trip here either way. And I'm going to try and beat the three, speak of the devil, with just the one Faith in Humanity in the four white frost in the spot. Last one up for me, uh, going with a 12 to 1 long shot, the number 10 fastest flight, Brian Lynch, Jose Ortiz, which was just, uh, what, yesterday or the day before. Irad and Jose won every single race at Gulfstream aside from one, and it went to Rosario. So, the, you know, that Rosario is the only jockey who was able to break up the Ortiz train the other day. Uh, but another uh, mayor now five years old whose buyers have been steadily improving since she came back from the layoff. Uh, things didn't go so well those first couple of starts, but her last three, all of them routes uh, looking pretty good. Two back, lost to Kahiko, but that was a pretty kind of a one paced race there. And, and she's not, she was forwardly placed. She was right off of the pace. That's not her best running style. Last out, Tyler Gaffin in an allowance race had her sit off. They went pretty quick early, which I think we might see with sweet Danny girl breaking from the far outside post, having to rush up and get over. You might see, you know, I think we're definitely gonna see a sub 23 first fraction come up there. Fastest flight can sit off and get the jump. She's going to have to be better than both Chad Brown horses, which is going to be a tall task, but Jose Ortiz riding for Brian Lynch, 29% with a 357 ROI, 31% uh, life or the last two years overall away from Gulfstream as well. So I like her. I like the, uh, the price at 12 to one. I wanted to try and figure if it wasn't going to be one of those short priced horses, I wanted to find somebody at a long shot price that I liked. I know you only went too deep. Did you consider the 10 at all? Do you have her in your top four somewhere? So I looked at the 10. Um, for me, the post is what got me. It, it, the post plus the speed on the outside, where you, the trip is going to be tough here for fastest flight because you're going to have to back off enough that the 11 crosses you, but also not get shuffled back too much that you're still sitting in that third, fourth, fifth type of position and somehow try and save ground while doing all of that. And so it's just it seems like a, a tall task considering where the speed is positioned in the race heading into that first turn. Um, you know, I, I think there's a couple horses that are interesting to me, like the six horse Miss Delicious 20 to one on the morning line ran second behind White Frost last time out. That was first off a layoff. Uh, 
Castellano who rides this horse back. That wasn't a great trip for Miss Delicious either. So if, if I'm on the four here, White Frost, I think the six, Miss Delicious at 20 to one is awfully interesting. And the other horse I thought was kind of interesting at a price here uh, was the two horse. Sweet enough, also 20 to one on the morning line. You just throw out that Pegasus uh, World Cup, Philly and Mare Turf. She was in over her head there, tried to go right to the lead. That's not really her game. If she's able to kind of relax right behind the leaders, and if the one Faith in Humanity goes and she pockets up behind, Sweet Enough could get a pretty decent trip here as well and, and make some noise at 20 to 1. I mean, she went out to, and you can't uh, knock Junior Alvarado for trying it. Tried going gate to wire in the Pegasus World Cup Philly Turf, and it worked for about six furlongs, and then it didn't work anymore. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, no shame in try, trying that one. Uh, don't look at the final margin there. Once she got past and was headed, Alvarado just wrapped her up. So, not a terrible one to use. I like the Dr. Tang in the chat is uh, is supporting my use of the 10. Probably what Dr. Tang would call a great tournament horse. Uh, and speaking of which, it's the final weekend before NHC. So enjoy your relaxing now while you can, Mike. It's a, not like we gave you a, a big, crazy, hectic weekend to try to follow right before the NHC. Yeah, it's going to be fun, man. I mean, we're going out there on Monday, um, doing a, or I'm sorry, going out there on Tuesday. And then Wednesday, going to be at South Point doing a live spot for VEASAN out there on Patrick's new show, uh, Sharp Money, which is uh, every day noon to three Pacific over there on VEASAN. Make sure you're checking that out as well. Got to make sure we got dudes who bet daily going at 9 a.m. from Vegas, which will be fun as well. Going to be hanging out in South Point Sportsbook on, on Wednesday, most likely. And then Thursday through Sunday, got to battle, back to battle, baby. Got to try and win HC this year. I can't believe you're still, I mean, I appreciate the devotion. I can't believe you're still going to try and do, it's not that doing dudes who bet daily at 9 a.m., which you've been doing since you moved to California, but doing it in Vegas at 9 a.m., it's going to be uh, a little, maybe a little rusty. It might be a little cobwebby in the morning. That's okay. We'll forgive you for it. We might be doing it from the NHC room too, which should be pretty interesting considering I got to figure out how to make these headphones things work and try and broadcast from there, but we'll figure it out. We'll make it work. In the meantime, third leg of the $500,000 guaranteed Lathic 5 at Goldstream Park on Saturday, March 4th. Race 12, the grade 2 Devonadale. 10 three-year-old fillies going a one-turn mile on the dirt. 50 Kentucky Oaks points to the winner. Who is it going to be, Mike? Do you believe in red carpet ready yet, Magic? I believed in her last. I, I Let me rephrase that. Yeah. I'm sorry. I added her at the last. I added her at the last second last time. She's my top pick this time. I am a believer. All right. I appreciate it. Yeah, you poo-pooed her on the show when I picked her. So I don't know about this believed in her stuff. You did add her after the scratches. But you've definitely uh, dropped a bit of a deuce on her when we are actually on the show. Uh, yeah, look, Red Carpet Ready was awesome last time out. was able to stalk and pounce, get the job done. I don't think stretching out from seven furlongs to a mile is really an issue. And to me, the biggest thing is like, I kind of think the one in the five should also be in your top four. And that's the two horses she beat last time out. Has every right to improve off the layoff. Saez comes right back. To me, red carpet ready is is a pretty easy top pick here. Another reason why I'm playing a press ticket and trying to get around, speak of the devil in the last race, because look, I like the favorite in the middle leg too here at two to one. I did include one other horse in here. I put the 10 leave no trace on. Um, For me, this is one of those where we're coming off a layoff, a horse that has experience at a mile and a mile and 16th. Ran behind Chocolate Gelato and Wonder Wheel after winning her first two starts. Wonder Wheel wins the Breeders' Cup, uh, Phillies Juvenile, whatever the heck that was. And then Chocolate Gelato was up there as the favorite for the, the that specific race. So you have two of the best horses in the group that she faced in the two races that she lost. Absolutely no shame there. Two nice wins prior to that. This is her return spot. I like it for her. I think she's got a big shot here. Five to one, I don't think is a bad price at all. And if I like the three... 
and I think the one and the five are both in the top four, that means if I'm going to use someone besides the three, I have to go outside of that race because I feel like we already know the three is better. So who is the new shooter here? Well, the 10. And not only is the 10 a new shooter, it's an experienced new shooter who has back class. So I'm just going to go 310 and try and get through this one. I chalked out. I went with the three and the five. I went with undervalued asset, and, and I know that she got beat in the forward gal stakes uh, in red carpet ready in that spot. I believe I was poo-pooing her because I wasn't sure how the speed duel might ensue, and she just kind of pressed and still won, and it didn't really matter. But she also had an experience edge on undervalued asset. Undervalued asset had debuted in a maiden special weight, won it, and then missed four months and was coming or, or took, sorry, three months off and then came back on the forward gal. Big step up. I thought she was pretty good to get second. Clearly needed, you know, the experience to get the rust knocked off. Maybe red carpet ready still smokes her again. But I think undervalued asset, getting that experience, getting Irad Ortiz Jr. to keep riding her, I think that's a big sign. I think if red carpet ready, for whatever reason, doesn't get the job done, I'm looking at undervalued asset. And yes, I know it's it's 2-1 to one and 3-1. to one. I handicap, I'm looking at the odds for the first time and going, well, I probably should have known that was going to happen with these two horses. But um, I, I can't go away from Chad Brown and I read with this horse. I, they seem very confident in her and uh, we'll see what happens. But hey, maybe she just can't handle red carpet ready. Um, I'm looking in the chat here. Bree wants to know any love for Lynx. I know you were all about them Florida breads in the forward gal uh, along with red carpet ready last time and it didn't quite work out. No love for the Florida breads here from either one of us this time. I think Lynx can get a piece. Um, I wouldn't like completely dismiss the horse. I think Lynx needs a meltdown to be able to win the race. Uh, and that is, I mean, it's possible. I, I feel like the 10 leave no trace is more likely to win if there is a pace duel and kind of collapse there. But if you see the one, the three, if you've got the five who goes and all of a sudden the seven is sitting in sixth, seventh, eighth, and they go 23, 45 up front, and then they start stumble bunnying home, there's a world where Lynx could win the race in that sense. I just don't think Blinks is the best of the pick up the pieces horses. I think that's Leave No Trace, who, yes, will be forwardly placed, but has also gone this distance when forwardly placed against fast pace against good horses and been able to keep going. So we already have something on paper that shows that the 10 Leave No Trace can keep going if they're going quickly. So to me, Links is one of those horses which I think is really interesting underneath, where if like, again, if you want to play a superhero and you say, hey, I really like Red Carpet Ready, I'm going to go ahead and play Atomically, Links and, and Leave No Trace underneath. I think that makes some sense there. Um, I agree with everything you said on undervalued asset. My biggest issue is red carpet ready was coming off almost an identical layoff should improve second time out. And so it's going to be tough to, to make a kind of double jump for undervalued assets to be able to get it done. Um, links to me, when we mentioned tournament horses, links and atomically are probably the two best tournament horses in this race. You're getting 12 to one on links and a collapse atomically the favorite in that last race. Now you're getting eight to one. So the price is kind of flipped there. We'll see what the off odds are there. But those are both horses who I think are interesting in tournaments, as well as leave no trace if the price floats a little bit. You know, it is interesting that uh, that the one atomically, uh, Todd Pletcher's entry in here, uh, Pletcher got her after she won two straight Florida bread races, including a stakes. And then she went to the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies once uh, Eclipse Thoroughbreds bought into her, gave her to Pletcher. Uh, neither one of us, I don't, well, I know I didn't like her um, in the uh, in the forward gal. You might have because she's I used her, yeah. but. She was a two to one favorite and just, you know, maybe it definitely looked like she needed to knock the rust off. Uh, you might think, hey, second off the layoff, second time at three, all these angles that we could like. And then you look at who's riding. How often does Edgar Perez ride for Todd Pletcher? It, I don't think it happens that often. It hasn't happened once in the last two years. That's for sure. Um, Jose Ortiz wrote her last out. Saez two back. You understand why Saez is on red carpet ready. He's not getting off of her for anything else right now. But Jose Ortiz 
leaving Todd Fletcher for Patrick Biancone's horse, the two infinite diamond who she won the cash run stakes last out when he was aboard over this course of distance. But I, I don't know if, if, if you're going to ask me between that horse versus a Pletcher horse that they paid, I think $800,000 or something that for atomically, um, I, boy, you would think he would go with atomically, wouldn't you? You would. Um, but that, that choice clearly wasn't made. It, we also don't know how, when the entries were made for this or when they made the decision to run the one, run the two, a lot of times a jockey roulette wheel can be difficult to read because if a horse enters early and a jockey commits to that horse and then you find out atomically's running a week later and all of a sudden Jose's already gone and Luis isn't getting off and Irad's got this horse and Rosario's on a brown, it, it makes it kind of difficult from that perspective. Um, I do think that this, if you, if you don't like red carpet ready as much as I think we both do, I think the two infinite diamond, I think the nine Darth, Darth Vader, Darth, Darth Vader, I don't know, whatever. Uh, I think both of them at a price are a little bit interesting here as well. I just am not a huge B and Cone person. Uh, I, I just, the, the percentage just isn't up there, but you're getting the right price in this case. Uh, going to have to run better. Going to have to be able to stretch out well here. Uh, it's going to want to be forwardly placed. So I guess it's the same distance as the last time, but it's going to want to be forwardly placed. I'm going to have to improve off of that effort. Uh, and I'm just, I'm not sure that it sets up that well for Infinite Diamond. Lynx ran third to that horse last time out. I think Lynx has the better setup today. Um, they went 46 and 2, 111, then 136. I think there's going to be a little more pace up front that Infinite Diamond is going to have to have to face in this spot. Never forget, uh, actually, you won't because we just talked about it this morning in the group chat. But Patrick Biancone uh, won the Fountain of Youth Stakes a couple years ago with Ette Indian. You want to look at uh, an interesting field. Go look at the Fountain of Youth Stakes field from two years ago. Ette Indian won it, and uh, it was Dennis's moment was 2-1 to one on the morning line. Chance it was in that race. There's a lot of horses. You go, oh, yeah, I kind of remember who that is. Um, you watch out for Biancone on, on a big day. Sometimes he pops. But my concern with Infinite Diamond is she's by a B jersey. That horse is... I mean, he's great. He was a great sprinter, but like he's producing quarter horses a lot of times. The distance isn't really uh, B Jersey products, friends. So uh, was that the Met Mile of of that horse? B Jersey Met Mile and Mind Your Biscuits. I think it was B Jersey and Mind Your Biscuits. It might not have been the Met Mile. No, it was Mentoli. B Jersey's Met Mile was a phenomenal race. Ended up getting nipped. I think it was Mind Your Biscuits that beat B Jersey on the wire. You're but that right. Was he did. Wonderful he beat Mind Your Biscuits. You were right. Yep. Yeah. Well, I, we'll see. Listen, Michael Olson's using the two. Uh, if she wins, it wouldn't be a huge surprise. But a lot of that's because of the connections with uh, with Patrick Biancone. You just can get him to pop uh, on these big days right here. Um, Chad Brown's got the six guns and graces in here. We didn't talk about her, but she scratched out of the Tampa prep uh, a couple weeks ago. I forget what it was. She shows up here. To me, this is a, a significantly harder spot, and she's only got the one maiden win uh, last December at Tampa. So um, I don't have any interest in her, but, hey, Chad Brown, 20-1, to 1, if, if you want to take a shot or if you've got to go for it. Let's move on, Mike. Penultimate leg of the $500,000 guarantee. They pick five at Gulfstream Park on Saturday, March 4th. Race 13, the grade two McDermott Estates, 12 older males going a mile and three-eighths at three turns on the turf. And, of course, when you're going long on the turf in a big day, Mike Maker is going to show up. He's got three entries in here. He's won this race three of the last four years. So, of course, two of those were with Zulu Alpha and back-to-back. Where'd you go on top? One time, baby. One time. Let me get the right maker who goes gate to wire in a race where the horse has <laughs> no business going gate to wire. Give me Bemma's boy, the six on top, 20 to one. Clear loan speed here. You can make an argument the outside horse is seven. Astronaut will be loan speed. He won't. Bemo's boy is going to go from that six post. Astronaut's a little bit slower out of the gate. Yes, he's led, but he's led going 49 and four, 114 last time. 
We're not going 49 and 4, 114. We're going to go like 24 and change, 49 flat, and Bema's boy is going to be controlling the pace. Miguel Vasquez, Mike Maker, big price, wire to wire, baby. Give me the six Bema's boy. Well, that's one way to look at it. <laughs> I, didn't, listen, I didn't use, I'm not going to knock it, like you like to say, I'm not going to talk anybody off of a 20 to 1 long shot that could potentially go gate to wire. And I have the hardest time a lot of times reading speed in here when they go this long on the turf. Uh, a bond, you know, it was drawn four post in the McKnight stakes going a mile and a half here last time out. Uh, he went to the lead and then completely pooped out. And so, you know, does Rosario try to go to the front with him? I don't know. This horse is just, we haven't seen his best form. Wait, who's riding uh, Well over a year now. Who's riding up on? Joel Rosario. Does he go to the front? Does he try to go to the front? That seems like you're just kidding around now. I, I read now. pace as well as I read Joel Rosario's pace style. Okay. That's how that goes for me. Um, I didn't use, I didn't use Bema's boy, but I, I, like I said, I'm not going to knock you off. I did consider him. Uh, for a little bit, I just uh, I just couldn't end up getting the, the over there. I'm gonna go with the same topic I had last time he raced, and that's the ten value engineering uh, for Mike Maker, Jose Ortiz, six to <laughs> Kevin. I, I, mean, I, was that, this, chat. I, I was in this support group for a while. Let me tell you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm with you, Kevin. I will not pick a bond. 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 Next up, a bond. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, value <laughs> engineering, two straight strong strong starts from Mike Maker since he took over from Chad Brown. Won the jerkin stakes off the turf, got rained off. Probably was going to win the McKnight stakes. He looked great. He got the jump on uh, his stablemates, Red Knight and Wicked Fast. And Red Knight was just a slightly better maker that day. Uh, came up and caught him real late at the wire. Uh, ended up being a Mike Maker trifecta with Wicked Fast coming up for third. Wicked Fast in this race as well, the 12th horse. And man, third off the uh, sorry, not third off the, but third time with Mike Maker here. Uh, Michael Hoy owned uh, Zulu Alpha. He is one of Maker's favorite owners because he loves to spend a lot of money for these older turf horses that can go along and then maker just gets to play with them all day in the sun. So I'm going to go with the 10 value engineering on top. Did you use him? I did not. I'm uh, I'm only two deep here. I went with the six and I went with the horse right outside. I went with astronaut. The seven is my other horse. Tom Alvatrani, Saez going long here. Look, this horse, when switching from the sheriff's barn to the Alvatrani barn, it's like, I don't know what clicked, but something did because all of a sudden the horse became a new animal improved by over 10%. I love the fact that we're going long here. I think this this sets up well. Should be forwardly placed. And Luis Saez is riding phenomenally right now at Gulfstream Park. So I trust him to be able to place this horse and get a kick. There is very little speed in here. So in my mind, like, I did not even look at anyone who I thought was going to come from way off the pace. Like, I like Shouty, Shouty, Shouty. But Shouty, Shouty, Shouty is going to be way back there. It made it hard to pick the nine. I don't mind the 10 value engineering at all. Who should be forwardly placed in this spot as well. If you're not in the top four in this race, it's going to be very hard to win it. I mean, there's, there's like, this is like magic running the 40 slow from a, like a pace perspective here. Post, post leg injury, not pre post leg injury. Uh, They'll both like, work. They're, they're, they're going to be crawling up there. They're, they're going to be stumbling out of the gate versus stumbling home. They're going to be going so slow. So I'm looking for more poorly placed horses. To me, that really narrows it down here. Astronaut should get a very good trip just outside of Bemis boy. I think they're the two that want to go toward the front. I have no clue what a bond will do, but I, well, let me rephrase that. I have no clue what a bond will do except for quit in the last, you know, half a mile somewhere in there. Uh, so I think you got to really try and narrow it down to these speed horses. To me, astronaut is probably the most talented of those speed horses. So I went six, seven and try and get through this race with just two horses. Oh boy. Where to start with astronaut. I didn't use him. Uh, first of all, you asked what happened. Well, he left Del Mar and he went to aqueduct and raced twice on the aqueduct turf 
against uh well if lost to warlight get goddess pretty handily but you can't knock him for that she was just absolutely stellar uh, he would be the the within three lengths of warlight goddess <laughs> that's true uh maybe one of the makers uh you know astronaut and the red mistakes went gate to wire but the two starts back 67 to one last time out 15 to one what is his price today mike five to two Dum 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 the funeral march. No, I the wedding funeral that was a big thing for me. Um, I also don't like his the Red Smith Stakes is a weird race. Um, it was very one paced. The top five horses early were top five all the way around. Second and third managed to swap spots. Fourth and fifth swap spots. After that, it was literally just a carousel. They went really slow. I don't expect them to go uh, that slow. You especially don't because of the fractions you were kind of picking out for. Bema's boy to try and go out there and set. I'm going to go against him because it feels like this is the time. Like, man, this is the, this price. Now you're pressing, so I, I could, I'm going to give you a little bit of credit for using him there. But um, the way that I structured my ticket, I especially couldn't use him. Luis Sai is picking up the mount is the only thing that made me pause and go, ooh, do I really want to take a shot against this? Because the horse has won, uh, you know, a mount three eighths. But another thing, he's an, he's an aqueduct and he's a California horse. We're at Gulfstream Park Championship meet. We're facing three Mike Maker horses that are. Uh, all have a decent shot to win. So I couldn't use him, but you are going too deep. You're pressing with a six times ticket here. So it helps you with that five to two price. But aren't you the least bit worried about the uh, the situation where he's got to try and go from 67 to one, 15 to one to five to two? Well, okay. Obviously, yes. However, the 67 to one is because Warlike Goddess was in that race. When you have a horse that's, that's one nine, that completely floats the odds of every other horse. So you have to kind of like, okay, let's take a little step back there, right? The 15 to one, uh, yeah, a little more concerned, but that was in a 12 horse field. And the only reason you are betting astronaut is because of that race off Warlike Goddess where you're worried the buyer's inflated. So I can make a solid reason why he was both of those prices. Either of those races beat this field. That's the problem. Time form, buyers, whatever you go by, either of those races beat this field rather easily. Now, are we going to return right back to that new track? There's obviously some question marks there. But I can make enough of an argument in my mind that that's going to be able to happen. I also don't think you're going to get five to two on this horse. Do you think Astronaut goes off as a favorite? I do. I've been oh, the really? buyers. Buyers is the number one thing that's over bet in horse racing, right? He's got 100 and 102 buyer. Nobody else in this field has got that. So uh, if you were betting just off of buy Masterpiece does from, you know, three years ago, maybe, but. Um, other than that, yeah, I'm looking through this field. Value engineering's 94. Aban hit a 100, and he completely fell off after that, and that was an inflated 100. Yeah, there's nobody whose numbers fit anywhere close to it. I think either the one or the two will go off favored. I think both of them take some money. Highest honor for Chad Brown, the two-horse masterpiece, who ran well first time off the layoff, has multiple hundred buyers way back in the form. I, I think they are the two most likely to go off as the favorite here because I agree. I think people are going to see astronaut and not give him full credit because of what happened there and everything in the back class. There's really two races that you're going off of versus everything else. So I think you're ending up closer to seven to two on astronaut than the five to two morning line. Uh, but we'll see how the actual betting plays out here. So it's funny. I sit here and poo poo astronaut. I hate when this happens on this show. I poo poo astronaut. And I'm using two horses that he's beaten in his career that are in this race. Uh, let's, I almost made him my top pick, the number two masterpiece. I used him in the Pegasus World Cup turf, and that was not a good race for him. He got completely pinched back all the way to last. So first of all, he's running you know, nine, ten lengths behind the leader of that race. 
that's not where he likes to run. He likes to sit mid-pack. Now he's breaking from post two and hopefully won't get pinched back nearly as far. Gaffleone's keeping them out. This is a horse, when I made the case for the Pegasus World Cup turf, I said they brought him to the Breeders' Cup turf for what because he'd won himself a berth there for winning the Eddie Reed, but he really didn't belong from a class standpoint. And, of course, you see him go off at 26-1. He finishes eighth. No good. Gaffleone was aboard that day. Then Michael Ivarone, the wonderful asshole that he is, decides to buy the horse and send him to Safi Jusuf. And so Safi Jusuf throws him right in the Pegasus World Cup, a grade one race. Off of what we saw in the Pegas or in the Breeders' Cup turf, they said we're going to do that. He had absolutely no shot. And yet he's still like when he got onto the off the turn, you're like, okay, he's going to keep coming. And then it's just like all the horses that decided to quit, quit like a wall in front of him. And Gaffleon was like, well, shit. Like I got pinched all the way to the back where I don't like to be, and now I've got nowhere to go. The horse didn't really have much of a chance. But he's second off the layoff, second start with Staffy. Big, big, big class drop from that grade one race in the Pegasus turf. So I'm going to use him here. Highest honors was my last one on, and now I'm seeing he's three to one. I might actually take him off at three to one. First of all, I were, Michael Myers said it too. Like looking at these horses and like trying to figure out who says I'm old and tired, don't feel like running. I had no idea Highest Honors was still running. I saw him show up here and I was like, Oh, okay. I, like, I remember when he was a little, like, two, three-year-old running around the track. Um, I'm going to forgive him for losing the Red Smith for finishing second. Because, again, like I said, it was a one-paced race where everybody in the top five really just ran in place the whole way. He needs pace to chase. The problem with this horse, he's won once in the last year and a half. <laughs> like, you got to go back to June of two – actually, two and a half years. June of 2020 to find his second win on the page there. But he does – the only time he's been at Gulfstream, he did get the win. Irad is picking up the mount. I think it's a little noteworthy that this is only Chad Brown's entry in here. And Chad Brown might not have a superstar right now in the male turf division, but the fact that he's only putting one in here when he could have a bunch of like – like what we're seeing with Baffert and the San Philippe, right? All the Bafferts, he's just kind of throwing them all in and saying, well, one of you is going to probably step up and win this. We'll see who it ends up being. Chad kind of does that with turf horses sometimes when he's not sure who his best horse is. I'm going to use him the class and distance. He should definitely be in contention the way that he likes to run. Boy, I hope Irad gets him over the hump there. Irad was aboard for the first time and forever in the Red Smith. He comes back aboard here. Just give me some pace for this horse to chase and try to close into. Don't let someone go out there and set 49-4, 114-4. He's going to have no shot. And that's what makes me a little worried is that 3-to-1 price. But, um, boy, I, that 3-to-1 price I don't love. All right, let's, do you want to talk about him real quick? I don't like the post for highest honor either. That, to me, was the other problem okay. uh, right here. Just because if, if you're talking about, okay, he's going to need to come from the back of the pack, well, let's say he's in seventh or eighth around that first turn. He's four back on the inside. All of a sudden, you're going to have to either go way wide or have trip trouble in what I believe is going to be a pretty slow pace, specifically around the second and third turns in this race. It just it, it sets up for a troubled trip for him if he wants to come from off the pace. If he wants to stay close to the pace, you lose some of the kick. So that, But I will say this. Highest honor has been improving slightly every single race. He can keep ticking up. He fits here from that perspective. Masterpiece would have been the third horse in for me. I do respect the heck out of this too. You go back and you watch the, the Pegasus World Cup turf because the mile and an eighth was too short for this horse. He was coming. Uh, he just he just kind of got some bad racing luck. And now you're stretching back out to a distance that he likes more. I, I think Masterpiece has a legit threat at, at winning this race. If I was going to play someone from off the pace, it would be Masterpiece. If I was going to play a third horse in this race, it would be the two Masterpiece. But I'm going to stick with just the six Bemas boy and the seven astronauts. Uh, last horse that I'll talk about here, I went four deep. It's a nice sounding special, and you actually mentioned him, but you're not using it. It's the chat's favorite, shoddy, shoddy, shoddy. I mean, shoddy, shoddy, shoddy. The nine horse uh, is going to be in here for Jorge Abreu, Paco Lopez. Another horse that I think last time out had some really bad trouble 
Um, you know, fin- he had a really horrible trip in his last start in the McKnight Stakes. Uh, got pinched way back. He ends up finishing fourth just a qu- well, length and a quarter behind the horse that's my top pick in here, which is value engineering. So you got three Mike Maker horses that complete the trifecta. He's a neck away from breaking that up with Wicked Fast, and he had to come from way far back to try and get into it. Um, I'm hoping for a much cleaner trip. Paco is going to keep them out, like I said. Second off of the layoff here in, in this season, second of his five-year-old season, I think sitting closer to the pace will allow him to get first jump. 15 to 1. I love 15 to 1, especially with all the damn chalk I'm using in this race as well. So uh give me shoddy, shoddy, shoddy. I understand if you don't want to use him just because man, he just especially for you, Mike. It seems like whenever you try to pick him on the show, he doesn't get the job done for. I think all summer long at Saratoga, you were about this horse and it didn't work out. Well, I mean, it sort of worked out because he did win at Backwood right after I was all over him when he ran second uh, <laughs> at, at Saratoga. Here's the thing with Shouty, 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 though. If we're going to knock horses for not winning, Shouty, Shouty, Shouty has to make that list. One turf win since breaking the maiden in August 1st, 2020 at Saratoga. One. The reason this horse is through N2X competition is because the race scratched off at Backwood and we ended up on the dirt there in what was a five-horse field where the other four stopped running. So, like, if, if you're going to knock the, hey, I can't win, shouty, shouty, shouty makes the list of, hey, I don't like to win horses. <laughs> yeah, that's true. There's a couple of my picks here, including the one highest honors we just talked about. So, let's see. Uh, bold, bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see how it pays off for him. All right, Mike, we've wasted enough of the people's time. They all care about our opinions on the fifth and final race of the uh, Goldstream Park Late Pick 5 Saturday, March 4th. Race 14, the Great Two Fountain of View Stakes. 10 three-year-old Colts going to mile on the 16th. On the dirt, 50 Kentucky Derby points to the winner, and all eyes are on your returning juvenile champion, Forte, making his 2023 debut at 7-5. Let's talk about him. Please, Forte, show up. Just show up. Just just one of these horses show up, please. Uh, Forte should win by a, a freaking pole. But who knows? Right? <laughs> like, like, Forte is clearly the best horse. If you go through the numbers, everything he did at two destroys this field. It really does. I, look, I would love to pick Rocket Can. I would love to pick Rocket Can. I would love to pick, you know, Mage. Some, but look, Forte should win by a poll if he shows up and runs well. I talked about his workouts. Three back. And wasn't that great? Guess what? He looks like a freaking monster right now. The horse looks awesome in the morning in the last couple workouts. I don't love the fact that he's going to come from off the pace. We've in the Derby, we've talked about that at nauseum. How closers really struggle last year, obviously being the, the exception to that rule. But in this spot, man, Forte's towers over this field. If he comes with the A minus game, he should win by a couple lengths. So I'm going to put Forte on top. I'm going to go too deep here because I am pressing, and I do like one other horse who I think is the only horse in this race who has a shot at beating him. We'll get to that one in a second. But tell me your thoughts on Forte. I mean, everything that you're saying, Dr. Tanks said this in the chat, just 14, please blow this race up and please be a derby horse we can be proud of because who do we have? This is nobody. They're nobody. Like Arabian Knight, maybe, but he's missing works now. So maybe he's broken again. I don't know what's going on with maybe the, we're going to blame the rain again. And it's stupid bullshit they use for Cave Rock. I don't know. If Forte doesn't win this race or or at least show up with a huge effort, the other horse we're, that we both agree on here might beat him. But if he doesn't show up, with a better effort or a strong effort here. I, I don't know. Like I, I might just quit. Like, I don't know how to like, quit following. I don't, this Derby trail is so fugazi. I can't figure out. Now, some people will say, well, it's the Breeders' Cup juvenile winner coming back and they never do well. I went back and looked Mike the last nine years. Um, if you go back and look the Breeders' Cup juvenile winners, actually two wins, two seconds and two thirds in the three-year-old debut. The average finish was third. 
couple of horses that you can scratch out, storm the court. Never should have been a Breeders' Cup juvenile winner, so you can just throw that uh, sample out of there. Uh, but Essential Quality came back, won the Southwest. Nyquist won the San Vicente in 2016. Good Magic was third in this race in 2018, and that's the, where a little bit of a worry comes in. But it's also Chad Brown versus Todd Pletcher with a strong dirt horse. Who are you going to trust to have them ready better? As why we're not using Blazing Sevens, by the way. Um, I do want to use, uh, you know, you've got to use Forte. I tried hard. You know, from the second we saw this field, I was like, I'm going to try and beat Forte, try and beat Forte. And the more I looked at it, I was like, how? Who do you use to beat Forte? There's very, very few options here. Um, you know, people asking, how does he work? He's been working with older horses, very good older tap Todd Pletcher horses. Um, and the speed is he's not firing bullets. He doesn't need to. Pletcher knows that. He doesn't need to fire bullets for this one either. So, um, all right, let's talk about who we think is going to end up winning this race if, for whatever reason, Forte can't do it. Well, that's a wire job, right? I mean, that's that's the most likely reason that someone wins this, this race is that they're able to go gate to wire, and the clear candidate there is Mage, who, coming off a really impressive maiden special weight score, jumps right up into this level, clearly is the fastest early horse in this race. I don't think anyone can run with Mage if he wants to go. I expect he's going to go. Um, and if he's able to clear the two, Legacy Isle, who really is the only other horse in this this race who has real big-time speed, all of a sudden he's going to be able to back this thing down pretty good. And if Mage can back it down, then that's your option to try and beat him, is that he, he clears the two, two has to go out wide of him on that first turn. If he does, Mage is able to back it off, get a 48 half. Forte has some type of traffic trouble, doesn't fire, is too far back, and Mage is able to take this field gate to wire. I think the seven is really the only legitimate horse that can beat uh, Forte here in this spot. So I'm going to go 4-7. Hopefully we can get it good through there. Good magic. Past Florida Derby winner here. Trying to take that, take it down. Take down one of the Florida preps. So uh, I think Mage is a, a – I don't know what – like maybe about a 15% a chance of winning this race, somewhere in that range, maybe 12, somewhere around there. And it's good enough for me to take a shot against Forte here because I'm pressing like crazy – uh, my, my base ticket costs $8 for 50 cents. So if you want to try uh, and play this, go ahead. I would say, if you want to play it for five bucks, if you want a single Forte, it's a $40 ticket for five bucks. You can kind of play with it a little there if you want to. Um, the other, I agree with you on mage. We both agreed there. I put a third horse on my ticket, but the chat's already talking about it. It's been kind of intimated. The number one general gym, probably going to scratch out of this. It sounds a lot more likely. Um, he did miss a work. He had a slight cough and it's Shug McGahee who's not going to push a horse and try and rush him into things. So, um, you know, I would like to use general Jim if he runs, uh, I thought his effort in the swale stakes was very impressive. By the way, Luis Sia has never touched him once with the whip. He dominated that race under a hand, right? Under Vegas hand, right? So if he makes a race and I wish he would, I really want him to, uh, it, I think he's, he poses a very big threat. Uh, I would expect General Jim to try and size to keep Forte in their sights and try and stay ahead of Forte up until the top of the stretch and then see what plays out there. I think General Jim might be tough to pass, but it's, again, it sounds like he's not going to run. Uh, Seven Mage, we talked about it. Um, you know, it, it's a big step up for this horse to, you know, he debuts on Pegasus World Cup Day. He's 11 to 1. A lot of people didn't give him much of a chance, uh, clearly, in the betting there. Uh, but boy, he looked great. And you talked about he's by good magic. Uh, he's out of a big brown mare. Big Brown won the first two legs of the Triple Crown in 2008. So a lot of stamina underneath. You should be able to handle Mount 16th. By the way, I don't think you mentioned it when you're talking about Mage. 
I'm on the 16th on the dirt at Gulfstream. You stop at that 16th pole. You're not going the full stretch like a mile in an eighth race. And that hinders a horse like Forte coming from off the pace. And it helps a horse like Mage. Um, boy, two big concerns. You're talking about stepping up. But, you know, this field kind of falls apart after Forte. And if General Jim's not here, he's running off of Lasix. And we've seen that a lot with different horses, especially like McPeaks, Romans. When they step up to a spot where they can no longer run on Lasix, Cyclone Mischief, suddenly they completely fall apart when they can't get the job and they can't get the job done. So, um, boy, I don't like that. My what? Let me ask you this, because you uh, Aaron brought up a great question uh, here in the chat. Assuming General Jim scratches and on the morning line, he is six to one. Blazing Sevens is your seven to two second choice. Neither of us are touching him, but he'll take money because he is a grade one winner. Do you really want to play Mage at possibly five to one with the scratch of General Jim? When he was 11 to one last out, winning a maiden race on debut. So, a couple things. First off, he's 11 to one because Edgar Perez wrote him. Um, and in that race, you had a half million dollar son of good magic. You had a 250,000 dollar son of good magic. And it was, it was, it, it was Pegasus Day, right? So, there's a bunch of other aspects to why the horse is 11 to one. Secondly, I don't think he's going to be five to one. Okay. You're going to see money on Rocket Cam. You're going to see some money on, on Cyclone Mischief. People aren't just going to forget Cyclone Mischief here. That horse went off as a wildly short price last time at this track. He's going to get bet down. 12 to 1 is, is not going to be what you're going to see him go off at. I don't think that you're going to see Mage at 5 to 1. I think you're going to see a higher price, even though I don't agree with that. I think Mage should be the second choice in this race. Um, the other thing is he's not going to be 5 to 1 in the pick five. Okay. This is a pick five Point. ticket, too. Forte is going to take so many damn tickets in the pick five that there is zero chance that 20% of the pick five tickets are going to be on Mage. Zero chance. So, uh, yeah, maybe he'll go off at five to one, but he will not be five to one in the pick five pool. I guarantee you he will be at least 5x the price of what Forte is. That that latter point, that was great. And some I usually remember that, and I forgot about it this time. So, yeah, it, it, there's a difference between single race betting versus the value that you'll get in these pick five sequences here. Uh, also, you know, say General Jim doesn't scratch until a bunch of people put their tickets in. Well, they're going to default to having Forte twice. They're not going to default to having Mage on their tickets there. So you've got that going for you. Uh, Matt bringing up a good point in the chat. Mage has been outworking O-Captain in the morning as a horse that you thought could be a complete long shot bomb in the Gulfstream Park mile. Sean Nesbitt says the three shadow dragon could potentially ruin everyone's day. Ah, uh, boy, we'll see. We're not, we love our boy rocket can. I think he's got a great chance to hit the board. Neither of us picked him to win here. And he beat shadow dragon last out at Tampa. So, or I'm sorry, at Goldstrom. I keep thinking yeah. they were at Tampa. They were in the Holy Bowl stakes. Um, you mentioned the job the funeral. This is the funeral for shadow dragon. We talked about this horse last time. I've had shadow dragon second in that race where Rocky can't beat uh, cyclone mischief. That was the day to have shadow dragon. Not today. Yeah, he was uh, 34 to 1 that day and came up and got second to Rocket Can. So, good point there. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Magic Mike Show. Thanks for joining Mike and I to go through the $500,000 guaranteed late pick five at Gulfstream Park, Saturday, March 4th, ending in the Fountain of View Stakes. Remember, by the way, if you want to play Gulfstream Park on Saturday, we have all 14 races covered for you in the Inside Track Wagering Guide. It's available right now if you're subscribed to any of the premium subscriptions. Go check it out. It's in your account. It's ready for you right now. Otherwise, you can buy it single. Uh, go check that out. For our tickets, for the podcast listeners, we'll give those out one last time. It's down below for our video watchers. I'll start off. I'm going to go 7 with 13410, with 35, with 12910, 
with 147. That's a $48 ticket. It drops down to 32 if and when General Jim scratches. Uh, and at that point, I'm going to press it for a dollar, make it 64. Mike, your $3 ticket, please. You're going to play a $3 ticket. I'm going to go seven with one four, with 310, with six seven, with four seven. It costs you 48 bucks for $3. If you think Forte is a lock in the last, drop off the seven, play it for five bucks. It'll cost you $40. Look at that. We're, we're nice and affordable here. You just got a, you know, $5 ticket and it costs you $40. That's pretty, uh, pretty well, good you know deal the there. Part? It pays four or five. So if Bemba's boy hits on a $5 ticket and you lose either of the singles, you're making money on that ticket. Like substantial, you're breaking a couple hundred bucks on that ticket. I am. The more I'm going to look at when we get off of here, I'm going to go back and look at the, the PPs a little harder here. I might drop off highest honors for Bemba's boy after seeing the odds and how low they are on highest honors. Well, I don't know if I want to take him in a three to one when he has problems winning it. And Bemma's boy, you, you outlined very well, has a nice pace set up. Uh, by the way, won the grade two Pan American a mile and a half uh, about three years ago here at Gulfstream Park. Uh, but make sure you, if you want to play Gulfstream Park, like I said, check out the inside track wagering guide for the Fountain of Youth Day at Gulfstream Park. It also includes two bonus races, the San Felipe Stakes and the Gotham Stakes. So if you're looking to play the Derby preps, all three of them have been covered right there. The Bataglia, well, Aaron just hates Turfway, apparently. That's why I didn't put it. No, it's all three of the 50-point Kentucky Derby prep races, so you can check that out. Uh, big weekend ahead. We're going to have a live show covering all of the action, the major action. By the way, thank you to Santa Anita for carding the San Felipe in race six. Puts it right in the meat of every other big derby prep going on. So we just go bang, 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 bang. So tune in Saturday for the live show. Mike and I, probably Aaron, maybe Jared, who knows? We'll see if he is able to join us for that one. But we'll be covering all of that action live. Lots of betting insight. It's going to be a hell of a weekend, Mike. We even talk about the Oaks preps other than Devona Dale, but so much action. It's going to be a good time. Yeah, I can't wait. There's seven graded stakes races out of this 14 or eight graded stakes races. I'm sorry, out of this 14 stakes car, race card at Gulfstream Park. Uh, Santa Anita has a mandatory payout on Saturday. If you're not sick of me yet, 8 p.m. Pacific time. Yeah, that late. I will be on uh, ABR's show covering the four graded stakes from Santa Anita for Saturday. We'll have our live show on Saturday. Then I'll jump over to their live show and doing the pick six coverage for them over at Santa Anita on Saturday as well. This should be a wildly busy day. Be on Sharp Money tomorrow at 2 o'clock on Beeson. If you want to talk sports betting there, we'll cover some of the preps there as well. So a lot going on in that front. It's going to be just a crazy three days here. And it's it's it's, it's going to be nuts leading up into NHC week. So I, I'm looking forward to this weekend. Lots of good betting opportunities. We also got college basketball conference tournaments going on. So make sure you're checking out Dude 2 Bet Daily, 9 o'clock Pacific, 10 or noon Eastern. Make sure you subscribe to the channel so you know when we're going live. You can just get notifications and then, boom, you're there. You're ready to go. Let's do it. You get notified when we're live with Dudes Who Bet Daily every Wednesday through Sunday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. We'll start your day off right with some winning picks between the horse racing and sports betting world. I missed the last couple of days, but uh, hopefully to be back on for the next couple. We'll give out some big winners. Uh, and Sean says, bring back the original Magic Mike show intro. Guess what? Stay tuned for about 30 more seconds, buddy, because you get to hear it again. Mike and I will be back on Monday to recap all of the crazy action for the Derby and Oaks preps. But until then, I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. You remembered today. I remembered. Sean Nesbitt, this one's for you, buddy. Good luck this weekend. The Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb. Because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com.